0: Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and change makers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit FastForward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and RealChangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Michael Shafra.
1: This is Impact Hustlers, the podcast on the entrepreneurs that solve the world's biggest social and environmental problems. And I'm your host, Michael Schaffrat. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share the episode, most importantly, with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit ImpactHustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And follow us on Twitter as well, at impact hustlers enjoy today's episode and let's go in today's episode i speak to nick doman and will pearson the founders of ocean bottle ocean bottle is a reusable stainless steel water bottle each bottle funds the collection of about a thousand plastic bottles stopping them from ever entering the ocean it's great to have you on the show (laughs) that was a short one it's a pleasure pleasure to be here Thanks very much. Tell us
2: briefly what Ocean Bottle is and why it matters. So we basically developed it as a tool for individuals to be able to make impact on very directly on the ocean plastic problem. So that's why each bottle directly funds plastic collection and also sets up recycling infrastructure in coastal communities around the world. Amazing. That's very simple. Simple idea. And where are you at right now on your journey? Yeah, so we launched this January. Uh, so that was sort of pre-orders. And so that's been that was sort of the kickoff really of, of the company. And then we've basically started to deliver product uh, now this summer to 88 countries. Yeah, so we've we're basically been producing the first 30,000 bottles and sending out to, to all these different places. Amazing. Do you remember what the
1: moment was that inspired you to start us? company was there any single moment did you have the Attenborough effect where you're like okay I need to do something about this So, how, 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 how was that?
2: I think it's a great question and I think we probably had several moments of inspiration. I remember one sort of pivotal moment was sort of sat in so I met Nick at London Business School and we were there together and I really wanted to do something about the, the ocean plastic crisis basically and I was sat in this cafe in London Business School, and someone was there with a plastic bottle, and I sort of just thought, "Why are you there with the plastic bottle?" You know, using one of those a day creates a mound of 365 plus plastic bottles a year. It's a, it's a huge pile of waste. And then someone else was there with with a reusable bottle, and they just looked a bit smug. They just sort of looked like, "I'm saving the world," and I knew that they were doing something great, and I knew that they were doing something positive and impactful, but. I think also knew that we needed to do a lot more to solve the problem. So that was sort of the the inspiration to connect individuals with that problem because they want to do something about it. Amazing. Um, Now there's there's probably a
1: bunch of bottles out there that kind of claim they're sustainable or that say, oh, we're going to donate something to some charity or stuff like that, right? And I think you actually talk about taking a no bullshit approach to sustainability with, again, yeah, a lot of competitors actually, you know, donating a bit to to charities or stuff like that. So how would you define that no bullshit approach? What does that actually mean for you?
0: Yeah, so that no bullshit approach for us is our cornerstone in terms of how we operate as a company we see all these companies saying how sustainable they are and but they tend to tack on a mission onto their previous business model and at most it's one percent for the planet which is one percent of revenue and we not only give a revenue share but we also lock in a profit share so if we're at the moment if we ever are making a large profit and it's over our revenue share we'll give at least 50 percent of that profit to plastic collection and our revenue share we're aiming hopefully will be well, our total share of plastic collection from our revenue will be hopefully about 30% when we're at scale.
1: Amazing. Did you ever make the calculation how many bottles you have to sell to remove all the plastic from the oceans? <laughs> or from?
0: It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. But by 2023, we want to be collecting about 3 billion plastic bottles in weight.
1: And those you, you work with a partner organization, is that right? With Plastic Bank?
0: Yeah, with Plastic Bank, who do all our plastic collection. Mm. And they're an amazing partner. They're incredibly transparent. So tell us more about that. How does that work? And they're actually collected, not
1: from the oceans, I believe, but before they enter the oceans. Is that
0: right? Yeah. So we decided very early on that we wanted to um, tackle ocean-bound plastic because we did a lot of research into it. And it's just as effective as collecting it before it reaches the ocean as it is once it's already in the ocean and once it's in the ocean it's super super expensive to collect and 96 percent of plastic doesn't float well or sinks below a meter so yeah so we work with plastic bank and they collect in haiti philippines indonesia and brazil and they do that by hiring plastic collectors to bring them to their collection points and then they're recycled the ocean bound definition is anything that would otherwise be going into the ocean So it's collected in areas that are coastal communities that have no waste management systems. So it's a really effective way of tackling the problem. And it's super efficient. And we couldn't be happier with the way it's been going.
1: Amazing. I looked a bit at this ocean plastic problem. And then there's like companies that try to recover plastic from the oceans directly. I think there's this famous Ocean Cleanup Dutch company that I think just made an announcement last week that they're kind of actually starting to collect plastic. But then I saw this statistic, and I think you're quoting it as well on your website, that it's actually just a bunch of rivers in the world that put most of the plastic into the oceans. So with your partner, are you kind of focusing on those rivers and kind of getting the plastic out of there? Or how do you make sure you're actually effective and not just doing something, but not really making a dent in a, in a problem?
2: Yeah. I, have, I have such a question, and particularly to do with the sort of ocean cleanup element, because... You know, as Nick touched upon, there's basically there's 22 million kilograms of plastic that surges into our ocean each day, which means that in just four days, more plastic actually goes into our ocean than is floating in the Pacific garbage patch. That also, that comes down to, A, obviously the input of plastic from particularly polluted regions in, in monsoon season, but also due to the statistic of plastic sinking, actually below the surface so we have actually no idea of the extent of damage where we're causing beneath the surface but yeah in terms of the collection that we're undertaking you know we want to develop a really disruptive waste collection infrastructure with with Plastic Bank, where individuals anywhere, you know, it could be a school uh, where families can bring in recycling and exchange it and actually put them funds back into the school system. Um, there's all sorts of ways of, of really scaling this when, because it's, it's all an app, right? It's all, it's an IBM blockchain platform. And all you need is, is sort of the basic things behind it to be able to, to put it out sort of worldwide.
1: And the way the plastic bank works is actually that, you know, people get paid a little bit for collecting the plastic, right? That's correct.
2: So you have both the kind of social and environmental impact in one. Exactly. So plastic collectors will commonly sort of get up to three times the market rate for that plastic, obviously, depending on what it is and so on. And then they can exchange that. They're building out the sort of exchange platform of what they can exchange it for. But basically, there'll be money, products, medical insurance, you can pay for school tuition, like I mentioned, or, you know, you'll have actually access to a digital wallet and you'll be able to get microfinance, for example, as in Haiti or in the Philippines.
1: Amazing. How do you see yourself as a company? Do you see yourself as a water bottle company or is there kind of a long-term mission to create all kinds of products? Uh, how would you define your, or you just focus on the mission of taking plastic out no matter what kind of products you can create to do that? How do you
0: think about it? Yeah, that's a great question. So we don't actually see other water bottle companies as our competition. We tend to see other impact companies as our competition. So it's a healthy competition. It's a great competition. We're all striving to do the same thing, and all working together, collaborating. It's a really nice environment. But yeah, so ocean bottle is definitely our flagship product, and I'm sure will be for a long time. But we are looking to move into other products, and we have a NFC platform on the bottom, of uh, NFC chip on the bottom of the bottle. Uh, which will allow us to interact with um, retailers, cafe chains, hotels, gyms, to basically allow people with our products to exponentially increase their impact. How does
1: it work? Well, what does the chip do? Uh, what's the benefit to retailers and to, to individuals using that?
0: Yeah, so the chip is a simple NFC chip that you would find in a loyalty card or a hotel key card. And it basically allows us to offer retailers a new way to interact with their consumers. So let's use a cafe chain as an example. If you walk in and fill up your water bottle with water for free at a cafe chain, they'll basically pay us a customer acquisition charge that will basically funnel back to Plastic Bank for further plastic collection. Current discussions are around 10 plastic bottles for a free refill. And if you go in and buy a coffee or a smoothie, it could be up to 100 plastic bottles. So this could really make a, a massive impact if we if we get it right.
1: So far I think a lot of the sales you generated you did in the Google campaign you did like I think people ordered through your website so it was mostly kind of direct to consumer type marketing which you did, is that right?
0: Yeah, it's about 50-50. So right. we do um 50% have been uh, direct to consumer, 50% of it's been have been to sustainably minded corporates and retailers.
1: All right. Uh, How big is the kind of B2B part of it in terms of your strategy? Like, uh, Do you think that's kind of a big part of really bringing this uh, to market at scale? Or is it going to be more of a consumer brand?
0: Yeah, so we definitely see ourselves as a consumer brand. But at the moment, B2B has been really great for us because it allows us easy, quick sales. And corporates are really sustainably minded at the moment. It's a big buzzword. And we're really trying to capitalize on it. And Mm. it's been super successful. It's been we didn't really see it being part of our business model necessarily as much at the beginning. But it's been a very happy surprise that it has been. because mm. It's really been able to, to drive us and sort of give us the cash to, to fulfill the D2C orders. Cause, of course, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so what's the motivation of those corporates to come to you? They just want to do something good? Or is
0: there uh, anything else like
1: economically f- in it for them? Why they would buy from you or kind of work with the NFC technology? And what are the motivations for them too?
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a few motivations. I think, as sort of Nick touched upon, they are putting this on the top of, agenda, of the agenda now, mm-hmm. finally. It's seriously about time. I think both because internally you've got employees who are looking f- to be working in a company that is sustainably minded, so they'd like to give their staff something that, I mean, ultimately, we're all about the individual at the end, so we're giving it to those individuals in that company. I think sort of beyond that, you know there's the there's the element of company buys a thousand ocean bottles and there's a company of a collection equivalent to a million plastic bottles which is great and they can really own that impact and then finally i think it's it comes down to a little bit about giving uh your you know whoever it is whether it's different clients or your staff for example a really good product that they can use for a really long time and i think that's sort of been the, the, the other reason why they're actually buying
0: buying it Just to build on that point, some of our larger orders especially have sort of bought into our mission and individuals in that company have really taken the lead. So for instance, Smith Buckland, their uh, CEO, Matt Sanderson, really loved our product, bought the product for his entire company, over a thousand staff, back in March. And so that's almost investing in us and our mission and really believing in what we're doing. And things like that, really special for us, but also really special for them and their team to really take ownership of of the impact and, and our journey.
1: Amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, let's uh, talk about your journey, actually. Uh, we started uh, talking a bit about your beginnings, but let's talk about what it means, actually, to create a physical product. I think both of you don't have a physical product-type background. Is that correct? Am I wrong? You, you've created products before
2: like that? I've, got, I've dabbled in it. A little bit. <laughs> uh, I've, I've touched the sides. I know. I used to, so I, I've um, got a background, and I studied engineering. Mm-hmm. And sort of off the back of that, a lot of the internships I did actually revolved around product design. So one of them was sort of developing, we were developing off-grid solar products for emerging markets, hmm. um, which was super cool. So that was kind of, I, I did explore that a little bit, and I think I've always had an interest in products. So this was just kind of a new new era. But yeah, really, we've worked with our design partners, K8, based in Oslo, Norway. Uh, who are total experts in the space and test things till they can no longer be tested and do so many sort of customer interviews. So they sort of found out that the bottle width should be 68 millimeters because that is sort of the perfect size for most people, things like that. Amazing. Stuff like that you don't even think about when you first set out to create a bottle,
0: right? But people comment on all the time the The feeling holding it is something that yeah the most common feedback how that i get it? interesting yeah i actually haven't touched it yet
1: but it, it feels really high quality it feels like a really sturdy bottle um great so how do you go about from idea to actually finding a design partner finding somebody that actually manufactures these bottles without actually drowning in massive amounts of information and kind of Getting screwed over, frankly, like a lot of physical product companies or hardware companies have, you know. Like if you're kind of the first time going into it and trying to create the product, uh, it doesn't always go smoothly. How, how did you go about it, and what did you learn on that journey? Tell us a bit about it.
0: Uh, so we met at London Business School, which was as a resource just incredible for us. We met so many mentors. We were put on their Launchpad program, which is like a pre-accelerator program, and uh, that, the support that that gave us was immeasurable. Um, K8, Will had actually done an internship there before mm-hmm. and knows knows the CEO. And the support they've given us in terms of the production process and finding the, the factory and making sure that we weren't cutting corners and weren't cutting costs, where it was important we sort of got it right, mm-hmm. is probably the thing that helps us the most in terms of the production process being as smooth as it has been. It's not as... It's not been as smooth as uh, as it could have been, as always.
1: As always, so uh, there's always uh, unexpected things, and you have a lot of demand now. So you actually uh, have to stick up to that demand, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, while well, making so sticking to our timelines that we made mm. months and months ago, but also making the perfect product. It's been difficult. It's mm. been difficult, sort of yeah and will's really taking charge of that and really
1: amazing Uh, what's the biggest challenge there is it finding the manufacturing partner is it kind of making sure that you know things happen on timeline all of it or what has been the biggest challenge of producing a physical product for anybody listening to this wanting to create maybe not a bottle to compete with you hopefully (laughs) so don't share too many insights but for any entrepreneurs that want to create physical products and
2: maybe haven't really done much in that
1: space before
2: I think I think it's all about partnerships, you know, like Nick said we can't do you can't do it on your own. That was just the basically a couple of us to begin with um so being able to rely on on these people with expertise is just pivotal. Everything from sort of you know our website developers you know they were even a partner because they gave us deferred payment terms of like nine months. And that was that was more sort of on, on the investment side and, and things. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of product, I think I think you need a great partner to be able to really make it happen. Mm. Otherwise, uh, it is pretty tough actually.
1: Is there any assumptions you made in the very beginning about your business that were proven completely wrong or something like that? Like any anything you thought, okay, this this is how we're going to do it, and I was like, oh, actually, it doesn't work like this. Something like that. That's a great question. Difficult one, right? <laughs> or think, any like big learnings you took away over the last few years of you know?
0: That's a great question. <laughs> I think we've been, we've been lucky. The people that we have chosen as partners have been really great to us, hmm. and are continuing to be great to us. Um, so in, in that regard, we are we're, we've been very lucky. I think learnings. It's yeah. You never know what's around the corner, and when you think things are going to start to slow down. You're, you're kidding yourself. I think that's the main thing. We always say, we're still saying it. We're still saying it. Next month is going to be easier. We'll be able to get this done. And uh, that's the biggest lie that you ever tell yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, I it, it really gets know. more and more hectic, and it get, there's more and more on your mm-hmm. plate. And uh, quite rightly, people are very demanding of your time. Well, and that's a call
1: to action to all the listeners to order a lot of bottles on your website so you <laughs> don't get any time to rest. <laughs> uh, please.
0: it's it's a, The... It's always a good thing. Just yeah, absolutely. more business, more demand. We couldn't be happier with where we're at and it's but it's uh, yeah, driven us into the ground occasionally.
1: I can imagine. Yeah. How do you balance? I think it's your first business together specifically, right? Yeah, so first business. How do you balance and how do you kind of deal, deal with that pressure?
0: Yeah. Support each other whenever we can, I think. Getting advice from people that have done it before has probably been our biggest asset. And getting coaching on everything because we do, whenever we do make decisions together we we talk things through pretty thoroughly and we do tend to do quite well i think i think we work well together as a team but there have been occasions where we have really needed outside coaching and it's been invaluable because so many things that you would never know would be a problem until they are uh, we always looking outside the company for advice
2: amazing thank you yeah no i, I can agree more i think Just sort of everyone sharing there, you know, how high the burden level is. I think it's important in the team. And really thinking about, okay, how are we going to solve this? Who are we going to potentially hire to, you know, fill that crisis or to sort of patch in those problems? I think for us having, we sort of thought that we'd go our own way in the beginning. And then we managed to very luckily get a, a place, an accelerator program, an impact accelerator called Catapult. So we went out to Oslo for three months on this uh, accelerator program. And exactly as Nick said, some of the advice they gave us was just amazing, both on sort of smaller decisions, bigger decisions, made us,
0: uh, yeah,
2: it was a lot easier. Amazing.
0: And take the help. Will and I spent a long, long time talking about Catapult. They know this and deliberating whether it was worth our time and their time to, to take it up. But without a doubt, the best thing that we've done and so so valuable getting people around you that care about what you're doing and willing to give up their time is just the best thing ever
1: i think sometimes it's the entrepreneur spirit to try to figure out things yourself and be like i can do this i can figure it out you know people have figured out before but sometimes you can fast track your progress probably if you partner with the right people right if you yeah i mean it's good good you're careful to choose the right partners but once you have them it's great Cool. We're already coming to the last big question, and I'd love to have your both your perspective, actually, on this. And what would be, if you think about the next 10 years, if Ocean Bottle succeeds, how does the world look like? What will have happened by then?
2: Yeah, we want to see a really different world, I think, in 10 years' time. Um, I don't think it's just going to be our impact and, and what we're directly doing, but I think the knock-on effects of it and the, the solution... The global solution that we want to be a serious part of, I think, is what what we want to see in terms of turning the tap off ocean plastic, but uh, but equally in in the other environmental crises that we face, Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Nick?
0: I couldn't agree more with Will on the fact that this is a movement. We're a tiny cog; you can only ever be a small cog. We need as many people doing similar things as possible. Sort of, yeah, bit by bit. We need to do this as quickly as possible, and it, yeah. It takes a, a lot of people doing a lot of things to solve the problem. But in terms of our business, I think maybe really owning the ocean plastic space as much as possible with and collaborating with as many people as possible to, to do that. Other people, what people would see as competitors we want to work with, I think, is the main thing. So please, if you're doing something similar, get in touch. We'd love to work with you. And yeah, just motivating people to get out there and do something. And that's what we're trying to do with our product. It's an empowerment tool. To showcase what you're doing remind you of it every day and really try and do small things to make a big effect
1: that's a great message i think in the impact space i've learned the more collaboration the better usually uh, everybody's trying to focus on the same mission and also it seems like the space is far from saturated so i think there's a lot of space for a lot of new companies doing similar things and trying to apply it to different products and i think it's just healthy for more entrepreneurs to come into this space so Thanks very much for joining me today and all the best on the next few months delivering all these bottles and uh, everybody listening to this. uh, Go to theoceanbottle.com, I believe, um, to order your bottle and uh, check it out for yourself. So thanks very much for joining. Thanks
0: for having us. Thanks very much.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share the episode with a friend. To keep updated on new episodes, visit impacthustlers.com and sign up for our email alerts. And also follow us on Twitter at impacthustlers. Thanks very much for tuning in and see you next week.
0: This was Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit FastForward2030.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and RealChangers.com to find talent and careers with impact.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review, and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impacthustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.